0: David Sparks and Jason Snell spent their careers working for the establishment. Then one day, they'd had enough. Now, they are independent workers, learning what it takes to succeed
1: in the 21st century. They are free agents. Welcome back to Free Agents, a podcast about being an independent worker in a digital age. I'm David Sparks, and I'm joined by my fellow host, Mr. Jason Snell. Hello, Jason. Hello, David. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you,
0: too. And also, welcome back from your big uh, big trip. Yeah, European
1: vacation. It was so fun. I was getting messages from you at all hours, all sorts yeah, of surprising sorry. times. <laughs> I hope I wasn't screwing you up too much. No, I was more concerned that you were staying up too late. That was... <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually have a, uh, I have some discussion on that because uh, the European vacation, I guess I should just talk about how that went. You want to just dive in? Mm-hmm. I, I went to Europe a long time ago in the 80s, as I keep reminding my kids last century. And uh, going back this time, uh, I had jet lag for the first time. Last time I went, I had no jet lag. Interesting. But, uh, for some reason, uh, I would wake up every day at 4 a.m., which wasn't even a reasonable time in California. It was like somewhere in the middle I guess but I would just wake up ready to go at 4 and uh so I decided to roll with it and I would get up at 4 we were in a hotel not a an Airbnb this time and uh, so I'd go down to the lobby uh, take my computer and I could make calls to the west coast deal with a few client things you know get some work done I'd get 2 or 3 hours of work in and then when the family would get rolling, then we could all go have a good time together. So it, it kind of worked out for me, except for the fact that I fell apart about 9 p.m. every day. Right. Right. You got to go to bed because, you know, you're going to be up at four. Yeah. And uh, so but I, I think it was uh, in hindsight, it was good. You know, it worked out. And there were a couple times we had night plans. And in those days, I would go back to the room and take a nap in the afternoon so I could make it. And that worked fine. In terms of the the overall plan, I talked about it last month. Is I I I uh, went with the idea that I wasn't going to do any normal projects. You know, I wasn't going to plan to do anything that was, you know, like uh, you know, write a special contract for a client or anything. But I was going to be available for whatever emergencies occurred, and it worked out for me. You know, with with the, those couple hours in the morning, I could deal with the emergencies. And um I really, for the first time, maybe ever felt very relaxed about being on vacation and still having and business going on.
0: Wow, that's really good like more more than uh, more than when you were with a firm.
1: Yeah, you know, when I was at the firm, I really never had a lot of support uh, so I still needed to take care of my own clients when I went on the road so I've, I've been doing that part of this for a long time but I think the difference this time is I went with more realistic expectations, probably because of the show. You know, we talked about, you know, when you go on a vacation, uh, you know, don't be optimistic and say, you're going to do a bunch of extra work. You're not going to write chapters for your book. You're not going to, you know, do whatever your normal business is. But if you can just go with the idea that I'll just keep, you know, things going where they need a little love and care while I'm gone, that's a much more realistic approach to it. And this is the first time I really not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. That's great. That's that's quite a thing to to end up there, I think. Yeah. The downside is I'm digging out now. I, I am definitely behind coming back.
0: <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. Um, I mean, honestly, I didn't go anywhere. I stayed in my house for most of this. Yeah. This trip, but I had that same feeling of not only all the work that went, led up to the moment where the holidays sort of happened, but that you do get that, um, the letdown on the other side where I felt like, first off, I had a uh, four day week. New Year's week was tough, um, yeah, for uh, lots of reasons that I want to get into later, uh, but you know, you get the four day week, so you're already starting on a Tuesday in my case, and um, and, and there's that week. And then the next week comes and, you know, it's it's things have piled up because the, that that week was a slow week. And so then you end up with that uh, that next week being uh, tough. And then we had another four day week this week. Um, yeah. So it, it just keeps on. Uh, it just keeps on going where um, I feel I, I, I like you. I feel behind.
1: Yeah, I, I feel behind, but not super behind, and and that's one of the things I'm going to try and carry into 2018, is not let that stress me out as much as it used to. I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna do my best with this stuff, and um, which isn't probably that healthy, <laughs> you know, in some ways. But uh, I'm I'm trying to be more more um, less freaked out about it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So, um, do you use the that New Year's week at all for like reflection and thoughts about how you want to change things in the year going forward? Is that a thing you do or
0: That is not a thing I do. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Um, but I did this in fact I just had this conversation for a different uh, relay podcast about uh with with Mike Hurley about uh um like do I have like do I do the year thing of like, what are my plans and my dreams and all that for the new year? And I'm terrible at that. Cause I don't, I, I try to do a little bit of reflection or at least I try to start to think about it, but I am not really big into the, you know, let's, let's, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, mark off some time and have this be my, my time to consider in this case, the dead week, which I might as well talk about now, um, was also hard because so, uh, Lauren had to work, But the kids were out of school, so it was not a week that was a normal week that I could behave like a normal worker, nor was it one where I could sort of sit in the living room with a mug of tea and scratch my chin and ponder the year gone by and the year to come because, um, my, my daughter was on a trip with a friend, but my son was there. And so he's playing video games and and I was trying to like give him activities, um, and and so for me, the that that week, that dead week became um, more like trying to strike a balance between um, going back to work and uh, taking a little bit more downtime, because I felt like I wanted to take more downtime than the week of Christmas to New Year's. I wanted a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more lighter load work, especially since, um, the, I was going to have my son for that whole week and the dot, my daughter would be back sort of like midweek. And even though my wife was working the, the you know, the, it, it, it was like spring break. It's a, it's a thing where, um, it's hard because there are people in the house and they're doing whatever they want to do and you're trying to work. So, um, I th- and I I got to say I'm kind of happy with how that turned out because I really did have that I am my own boss and I'm giving myself permission kind of feeling so like I took my son uh to a uh there's like a video game museum in the Bay Area that you can go to and you pay twenty dollars or something and you just and it's got old video games lining the walls and you can play you know uh, no no coins or tokens or anything just play ultimate you know unlimited video games as long as you want and that was a thing that i did with my son that that was an afternoon and he was out of school, I wanted to get him out of the house, and I gave myself permission to do that. So I did, like, fulfill the commitments that I was required to. That week I also had pre-taped a lot of podcasts, because other people were traveling, and so I had a lighter load that way, too. Um, but what I tried to do is make it like, I'm going to do what I need to do, what I'm committed to doing, but nothing else. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to go beyond it. So that's what I ended up getting out of that week, more than um more than considering like my my uh year gone by and the and the year to come which um yeah i have which i haven't done and that's a, that's a question do i want to sit down and and do that or 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 do, am i going to just kind of like uh deal with that as as i go but right now that's that's what's going on is that i'm trying to i'm i'm i know there's a risk here and never getting a, a chance to do that, but I don't think I need to have it be right on the new year. And because of the holidays, there is that feeling that you mentioned earlier, which is I feel like I'm digging out now of the, the load from the holidays. And it's only um, as we record this, I meant we gave this away earlier when I said that it was a short week, this week we recorded this the week before we're posting it. But um, I uh I, I'm only now getting feeling like I'm starting to dig out of all the things that are that are behind. And I'm not I'm not done yet. I've got more to do. But it's gonna be another week or two before I feel like, okay, now I'm you know, now I'm back to normal and I'm ready to roll. And so, you know, maybe maybe that's the point when I do a little consideration.
1: It's funny, I was thinking about on my walk this morning and I thought that by now I'd be all caught up. I've been back a week today and i I realized you know it's gonna be another week, yeah, it's gonna be another week, and that's I'll just have to deal with that
0: yeah and and with with a uh, with a martin luther king three day weekend, we went on a family trip to Southern California, and so that was another like that was a real real three day weekend where we flew out on a Friday night and flew back on a Monday night, and I didn't i guess i I guess I wrote like a post for six colors at one point in there, and I edited a podcast, but basically. By my standards, I did nothing, which was great. But at the same time, it's another four-day week where now you're pushing kind of other commitments into other days and everything gets packed back up. So I, I feel like this is just, you know, this is just the rhythm of this time of year is you get holiday time and you try to dig out and you're going to have another three-day weekend in there. And, and then you just kind of like, I, I think, I I guess if I, anything to walk away from this, it would be um, give yourself Forgive yourself. Give yourself permission to accept that you're going to be digging out for a little while, and that's okay.
1: Yeah, that's right. Because I, I basically had the same experience on my trip. Yeah, I decided I wasn't going to try and keep up with the usual course of business. I would just deal with the emergencies and then try to be present with my kids in Europe. I mean, how many times are we going to be in Europe together? And I wanted to be in the museums with them. I didn't want to be the guy back at the hotel. Yeah. yeah, so, so it, it all works out. I mean, but, but we're digging out now on that reflection point. I do think that that can be healthy. Uh, I do it on my birthday though. My birthday's in February. So it's always uh-huh. kind of nice. And uh, like the morning of my birthday, I usually just drive off down here. I go to Laguna Beach or some nice place mm-hmm. and, and just sit down and I look at what I wrote down last year and I laugh at myself about how I didn't get most of it done and then <laughs> try and be more realistic about the next year. But I find that's a good time to do it because the the new year, like you said, the, you know, the kids are out of school and family are visiting and just things are going on. It's really not the ideal time to, to try and sit down and figure that stuff out.
0: In fact, since you mentioned that, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out uh, a letter that we were gonna say to the end from uh, listener uh, listener John, uh, who yeah. who you, who uh, is a uh, he's actually a writer by trade. He's a he's a novelist, um, and he sent you a tweet that said, "I'm spending today planning my year ahead. First step: look at the plan I prepared this time last year, and rolling on the floor laughing loudly. Uh, yes. puts it all in perspective, <laughs> right? Like setting realistic goals and realizing that that if you if you have lofty expectations that are unmakeable, that uh, I I think, that yeah, being realistic is important and realizing what you thought your goals were for last year and what you accomplished. I mean, it can be sobering, but I think in a lot, in most cases, I would say it's more like that was not realistic of me yeah you, you want to aim high i guess but also if you aim too high and have unrealistic ex- expectations that you're trying to meet all year you're gonna feel bad about yourself and and define things as a failure that may not be a failure just because you set uh, unreachable goals
1: for yourself yeah, and, and they don't stick that the, the real problem with that is if you bite off too much you just
0: abandon you your goals <laughs> yeah
1: you, you don't even believe in yourself that you're right. gonna do any of it whereas if you chose a little aimed a little lower you would probably be more likely to stick to it and actually do more that way yeah it's it's it's
0: harmful i think i mean i I love i love people saying look i want to set i want to set these amazing goals for myself but um I saw in the workplace that if you set unrealistic goals for people, it is uh, bad because they will fail and they will either feel bad about themselves or they'll blame you for setting unrealistic goals. Well, when you're the person setting goals for yourself, both of those things still apply. It's your mistake if you set unrealistic goals and you're going to make yourself feel bad and feel like you're a failure because you failed to meet these goals that you were never going to meet. So, you know, I'm not saying set the bar low. I'm saying try to be realistic. And when you look at last year's goals, if you are like John or like you, David, laughing and laughing about last year's goals. That's worth considering when you're setting this year's goals. Like, why did I I not do that? And it's like, well, that was not going to happen. That's not realistic. And also tagging goals, I would say. Tagging goals is something to shoot for. It's like a wish list item. Like, that would be a nice to have, but it's not a must-have. That's not a bad way to do it sometimes. I find, like, I've got some things that are floating in the ether, and it's like, that might happen. It might not happen. If it doesn't happen, I'm not going to beat myself up over it. But I want to kind of keep it out there in case uh, a moment comes where I want to kind of pluck it out of the ether ether and say yes let's do this now but i'm not going to blame myself if i
1: if i don't do that this year all right before we move on there's a very important question i have for you yes does the video game museum have donkey kong the original so
0: the um the proprietors of the video game museum uh which is called oh god what's it called it's in it's in alameda california so if you're in the bay area you can look high scores arcade is the name of it and uh you pay an admission fee and then you can play as many games as you like they have a private collection of classic video games that they rotate uh through storage and through their two locations in the bay area so it changes. But when we were there, yes, indeed, there was a Donkey Kong game there. There was also a, a Joust and a Frogger. Joust, my best video game, by the way. I love that game. It's super weird. My son, yeah. while we were paying it, playing it, pointed out a a weird thing about Joust that in decades of playing it, I had never noticed. So that made me laugh, too. That was a great moment where he's questioning premises of the game that I had never considered. That was pretty awesome. And then they also (laughs) have some, like, faux consoles that are emulators that are built into either old console boxes that have been reclaimed and turned into an emulator where there's a PC in the background that can play, like, a hundred different classic video games, but it's still got all the controllers and stuff, or, like, fake fake ones like they had a, a, a zelda one and a, a wreck-it ralph one that are actually just emulators but somebody built an homage to classic arcade uh, boxes so it's pretty awesome check it out if you like old video games um and it was full of kids like um after i i guess some people in that town in alameda were getting out, were in school that week even though uh, julian wasn't and um They at like three o'clock, there were like teenagers just like flooding the arcade. And I thought, this is so great. These are modern teenagers playing old video games. And uh, that was pretty awesome. So, yeah, it's uh, it was a good time.
1: I used to be able to get like 45 minutes out of a quarter on the um, on the Donkey Kong. That that one in the original Star Wars one with the vector graphics, boy, I was that was I was a monster on that game. Oh wow! Of course, Star Wars,
0: um, yeah. Well, Joust, Joust is mine. That's the one I can do but uh, they get you once you, you have to work up to being able to use a quarter that long and that's they yeah. still you, you, you no, put in your money they got a lot of
1: quarters they got a lot of quarters in the process yeah you put you put in your money <laughs> well let's
0: uh, let's take our first break and then we'll come back and talk about more stuff that we're doing um, this episode of Free Agents was brought to you in part by Squarespace enter offer code freeagents at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase make your next move with Squarespace Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain award winning templates and more maybe you want to create an online store, maybe you want to create a portfolio, maybe you want to create a blog. Squarespace is an all in one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace has it all covered. They've got award winning 24 7 customer support. If you need any help, they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award winning templates are beautifully designed to show off your great ideas. You don't have to worry about rebooting your server with security issues or upgrading the kernel or designing your own website if you are a web designer that's great but if you're not they've got beautiful templates that you can use to create a professional site and then you can sell stuff on the internet from a unique domain i mean you don't need to know how all the technical stuff works you can just get your site up and running and you can do it for just $12 a month, that's where Squarespace plans start. But even better, you don't need to give them a credit card or anything else to start a free trial. And when you do decide to sign up, use the offer code FREEAGENTS to get your 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for free agents. Go to squarespace.com. Thank you, Squarespace, for your support of this show and all of FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website.
1: So, Jason, on the plane back, the 11-hour flight back, I uh, finished the, that Cal Newport deep workbook. I think I mentioned I was reading it on the show a month or two ago, and I, I finally got to the end. Uh, and I'm not usually uh, a productivity book guy. I, I don't know. I just feel like those things a lot of times are – I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I, I, how well these, I have these friends that read them. I don't know that they get anything out of them, and then they immediately go on to the next Imagine one.
0: Imagine so, how much time they would
1: stay, save if they stopped reading productivity books. Yeah, exactly. But I, you know, I, I've had this almost visceral reaction to them for so long. Uh, I decided this year, I'm going to read a few. And I, I talked to a couple friends that are really into it. And I have three or four titles. And that's all I'm going to read this year. And I want to to read those books and see if I can't get something out of them and, and really take time implementing a few things I learn out of each one and see if it helps me get things a little better. So anyway, with that in mind, um, the, I, I thought the deep work book was really good. And, and the idea of it is, you know, where are you spending your time? Are you spending your time in shallow work or deep work? And there, that's the book kind of summarized in a sentence. And um, and I did that big experiment towards the end of last year with timing and and running lots of timers to see where I could find work I could hand off to people, which in essence is shallow work. And I, I wanted to kind of do continue to keep track of where I was spending my time, but I don't want to run a million timers. I just don't need that accurate of information. I just want the general ballpark. And that got me thinking, well, why don't I get a little more um, structured with my schedule? Uh, so as I was flying back, that was my big idea. I'm going to kind of be hyper scheduling myself. I've only been doing it a week now, but you know, it, usually the evening before when I'm closing out my, my prior day, I'll look at the next day and say, okay, I'm going to spend this much time dealing with email. I'm going to spend this much time dealing with, um, you know, writing, you know, legal work, uh, this much time working on my next book, this much time podcasting or prep. I mean, it's just a few categories of things. But if you look at my schedule, for the last week. I've got all this time blocked. And uh, I, so I'm calling it hyper-scheduling. I don't know if that's a fancy term somebody else has come up with, but that's what I'm using. So it's been kind of fun doing that for a week and just seeing how it works. And uh, I just thought I'd kind of report in on it a little bit.
0: That's really interesting. It's It, it, it reminds me a little bit, I don't know, I, I'm going to be, somebody's going to be angry because somebody out there who listens to this is going to do this, and it's not going to be the same at all. But um, knowing a couple of people who do bullet journaling, Yeah, Um, where it is creating just in the sense I don't know a lot about bullet journaling, but in the sense of creating some structure uh, around what
1: you do, like, and, and it could be anything. No, it's exactly, I mean, bullet journaling, I think it it has influenced me with, with this structure and a lot of people do it on paper, you know, and I I like paper too. And they, they have uh, special books you can buy or they get graph paper and they make it out every day. And then they, they have the day as planned and then the day as, as performed, you know, and, and that always changes, especially when you deal with client stuff. But, um, I'm not doing that. I'm just doing it on my digital calendar, which makes it really easy in almost no time. There, there's an app on the Mac and iOS called Fantastic Fantastical where you can create mm-hmm. calendar entries really fast. And then you can duplicate calendar entries really fast. So once I had things going on. Like one of the things I've that's come out of this is I've decided I'm not going to spend over a half hour a day on email for Max Barkey because I get a lot of email. I could spend all day on email if I really wanted to. And I've just deci- I've just set this time limit. 30 minutes a day goes into that email. And uh, now I duplicate it. I, I kind of spread out where I put it in the day, but I, I've scheduled 30 minutes for it. And that's as much as I'm going to spend on it. And stuff like that. It's it's been an interesting experiment for me. Uh, I think I can do it because I'm a free agent. I have complete control over my calendar. Like even before we started recording today, you and I were talking about how we're experimenting with where we put our exercise in a day. And, right. and that's something that kind of fits into this for me. And looking at it graphically on the screen helps me kind of see how things are going to go. Um, it's a little bit of work. It's not a lot of work, but it's a little bit of work kind of managing that and putting all those things together. And and when things change, you have to move things around a bit. So it takes a little bit of time. So that's the curious thing to see if I'll, if I'll stay on the wagon with this or if, uh, if it won't be worth it to me. But, but early days, I find that, um, I'm liking it and I'm being more realistic about scheduling when I'm going to do projects and when I have time to deal with people. And, uh, and I have noticed that I've been, I guess it's just a continuation of the jet lag thing, but I'm, I'm waking up earlier and, um, and scheduling that earlier time, which is, uh, kind of shifting my whole work schedule earlier in the morning and uh i'm i'm just really kind of curious i'm early into this experiment i'm only into it like a week but it's kind of fun and i am um, i'm curious to see how it all turns out for me
0: yeah that's good i'm i'm interested to see how that goes my i definitely do Day planning, um, and this is the thing that, of course, Mike Hurley has always given me a hard time about because he's very to-do list focused and I have always been more calendar focused. I think owing to, um, and we've talked about it on this show too, owing to my history of being really scheduled when I was... Uh, working for the man I was a very scheduled person and so I would block off time to do tasks and I still do that I still make an appointment with myself to do a particular task like I know what I'm doing when we're done with the show I have a I have a thing I need to do and that's yes I do have a to-do list and yes it's on the to-do list but I still blocked out time for it and I do I, I don't take time at the end of the day to plan the next day but definitely sort of like throughout as things are coming up i am uh opening up fantastical and dropping on items and moving them around and it can be um things i'm writing or things i need to edit for a podcast or it can even be like um i have an item i had an item yesterday that was to um put the dinner uh put the the steaks in the sous vide pot at two yeah. so that we could have dinner at 530 because of, you know, where, where my daughter was going and where my wife was going and all these things, you know, people intersected at a certain set of hours where we need to have dinner and we had the steaks frozen and it was like, but I needed to remember it too. So I just, I made an event saying, do this at two. Right. And again, it just all goes on there. And, and, uh, it, 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 I'm a real uh, supporter of this idea. It's not for everybody, but the idea of kind of like planning out your time a little bit. Um, whether it's loosey goosey or it's more focused, I think there's something there.
1: Yeah, and and the idea of closing out your day and kind of blocking out the next day is something that I'm finding really helps. So I, uh, you know, I don't know. I'll I'll talk about this again some point because I'm like I said, I'm early into it, but uh, this works for me better than running timers. You know, I know a lot of our friends are super into timers and they run timers on everything. This is less. Time intensive, but I still get a pretty good idea. I can look at the end of the day and say, yeah, I spent four hours today working on, you know, heavy stuff, writing books and, you know, doing heavy legal work. And I spent, you know, three hours on not heavy stuff. And uh, I, I like I like that kind of information, but I don't need it granularly that you get with the detailed timers.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. You sent me a copy of your schedule here.
1: Yeah. I just sent you a screenshot. I can't share it because there's a couple of client names in there, but just to give you an idea of what I'm doing and, uh, it's not that hard to do this. Yeah,
0: no, that's pretty good. That's, that's more, you'll see, I'm going to send you mine that it's a little, uh, it's a little more loosey goosey, but it's still like, yeah. you know, here's when the podcasts are happening and here's, there's one example there of like, I need to write this article and right after we're done with this. And that's the, the, the kind of stuff that's in there. So yeah, yeah it's good. It's good. Um, let's see what do i want to talk about now let's let's talk about uh since we're sharing our feelings um That's all we do Uh, on the show, Jason. Let's go. I know, right? (laughs) Let's go back into the garage, which I'm already in. But it's something that I wanted to call notes from the garage. Because like I said earlier, I didn't go anywhere over the holidays. I stayed in my garage. But I wanted to give an update. And people who listen to me talk to Mike Hurley about stuff on Upgrade. This uh, is covered briefly in episode 170. You can go listen to that if you want a little bit more about this. But um, one of the things that I mentioned uh, a couple shows ago here is... um, how how getting organized and also keeping my workspace clean is important to me in a way that I didn't really understand before in terms of sort of like focusing me and making me feel more pleasant in my environment. And one of the things that I did in December was buy a bunch of Ikea furniture. I bought a couple of, um, I was describing them to Mike in episode 170 of Upgrade, and he said, oh, that's the Kallax. <laughs> I have those too. I'm like, all right, okay, everybody has these, but it's this piece of furniture. Um, it's basically two by what? two by four uh, of, of these cubes. And you can put, I actually have one upright and one down. So I have one that's uh, two rows of four across and another one that's four rows of two. Um, so a tall one yes. and a short one.
1: I'm looking at them now. Oh, Do you, Very have, nice. do you have those two? No, but I'm looking at oh, the you're picture. Oh, you're looking yeah. at them online. All right, well, yeah.
0: yeah. So uh, I wanted more after um, three years in this garage, three and a half years in this garage office. I realized that a lot of my assumptions about space were... It's not even wrong. It's like I didn't even think about the stuff I would collect over time and where it was going to go. And I ended up with a giant... giant tangle of of like cables and old hard drives and old technology that built up things i was getting as review units that the people didn't want back and i didn't use anymore and they're just sitting like so i did this thing where i was like i'm gonna get i realized i've got some space in my in my office for furniture that's better suited for what i'm doing like i had a couple old chef's carts and things and they're they're the wrong thing for what i've got for my workspace i was using them because we had them but they were really bad um they they were a bad fit. They they were free because we already had them, but they were a bad fit. And for not a lot of money at IKEA, I have uh, some better organizing principles here, and I've got a bunch of bins that go in those squares. Um, so I'm putting that together, and uh, I think it's and I think it's good. I think it's it, it's you talk about uh, at the end of the year, uh, thinking about uh, your you know what you did this year and what you want to accomplish in the new year. This was sort of like my. Um, like a workspace reset, which I wanted to, I wanted to think about the space that I have and how I could use it better. So, um, bought the furniture, um, I, and I think it's going pretty well. I, I've, um, I've, I, you know, I, I donated a bunch of stuff. The technology recycling center that takes old tech and old cables and stuff, and they've got all of that stuff that's gone, which is good. Um, and I organized a bunch of stuff, the stuff I wanted to keep, and that's really good. So that's all good. Um, there is more to do. And this is an observation I wanted to share because I think, I think it happens to me and I think it happens to other people too, which is that I kind of got caught in the middle where there's that initial rush of like, I put the furniture together. I'm going through the cables. We're taking things to the recycling center. It's great. And then I'm tired. We got other things to do and I've still got some stuff scattered around. And then for the next two, three weeks, you're in this interim state where it's like, it's not what it was, but it's also not done. It's in between. It's I'm and, and some of that is I'm still figuring it out. Where do I wanna put everything? Did it work with the place that I put it? Does that actually work? Do I want to put it somewhere else? I don't want to finish this off, right? Finish the project and realize, oh no, I've made some bad assumptions. I need to change it. I kind of want to live with it a little. At the same time, I also want it to be done, done and not in a transitional phase where there's still stuff on the ground that hasn't gotten filed and stuff that I don't know where I'm going to put it. I need to kind of close out and I haven't done that yet. So actually talking about on this show, is part of my reminder that I really do need to uh, clear a day to really properly finish the organizational system, clean out the garage, m- and get it back to what I would consider I- a uh, a pleasant, clean, orderly state. Because as much as this is a better organized room than it used to be, it's because it's not done. It's also kind of a mess. So, um, so that's that's one of those things where. Um, I don't want to get caught in the in-between states, so I need to make an appointment with myself, whether it's on a weekend or even just a, a light working day where I, I block off time, let's say, to do it. I need to do that because I, I really want to get back in a in a, a new kind of like default state, and I'm not there yet.
1: Yeah, I, I always tell uh, people, by people, I'm talking about my family. So <laughs> oh, those <laughs> the, uh, people. You know, when we're doing that project, I'm like, let's just finish it. Even though we're not certain what's the best way to do this, at some point you just finish it yeah. and then just be willing to make changes again if you have to. But its I think it's really easy to get caught up because you don't know what the perfect way to organize this closet is or the perfect way to do whatever. Uh, and and
0: at, at some point you got to finish. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, cuz it's it's just not a good that in between state is no good. Like I was happy with the in between state for the first week or two cuz it's like hey, I'm figuring it out. Now I feel like I have left that window. Like I am no longer figuring it out. I just have junk in places that they weren't before. And that's not organized. That's just moving junk around. (laughs) So I need to finish. Like I need to commit to like where's everything gonna go, get it cleared up. And and since I've left that window, if I want to revisit it later, or in fact if I want to revisit it at that moment and say, I'm gonna pull this thing out of here and move it over there and do this and do that, that's fine. But like get it done. And uh that's where I am with it now is that it's it's a little bit in a limbo state and I want to get it done. So I I gotta make a date with myself. Maybe the maybe this weekend. We'll see. But I'm definitely gonna have to do that.
1: Well, uh, I fully expect to get my own office in August and I think about it every day. <laughs> but I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna talk to the listeners about it today because we got months and, and yeah, but at more, some point I will talk note. about it. I have one yeah. other
0: garage story that I wanted to share with you and and this is a um I don't even know. I, I was gonna say this is almost more like a like a like a you know about dad jokes. This is almost like a dad story, but um it is also about having your own workspace and having control and ownership over your own workspace, and trying to do what um, what makes you happy and get rid of things that get in your way. And the story here is when we put in the door to my office in the garage, because it used to be for those who do not know. I don't. I think I told the story, but I'm not sure. Um, the entry to my garage used to be outside it used to be outside my front door. So to go to work I would have to open the front door, go outside, lock the front door, go into the garage door and then work. And then if I wanted to go to the refrigerator or the bathroom or talk to somebody, I would once again have to exit the garage and go in the front door. It was bad. We hired a contractor and said, "Can you move that door and put it on the inside?" And and he said, and we we're like, "Oh my god, this is going to be can it even be done?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's fine." And like a week later it was done. It was great. But one of the things that he did, and because of the like the co- building codes and things, is it had to be a fire door, which means it has to close itself. That's fine. And they put, because it's an exterior door, essentially, because there's a garage door here, and so if somebody got in the garage door, they could get into the rest of the house, they put a sort of standard exterior lock on it, which means you can lock it from the inside. Well, the problem is, most of the time, I want to lock it because I'm recording a podcast, and I want to keep people from coming in into my office, yeah, not the other you way the around. Lock on
1: the outside. Yeah. <laughs> so so
0: I so they, they did this and I didn't think about it and it's been like that for a while and that's been frustrating and then also there's something wrong with the doorknob. Like it would get stuck. And occasionally it would get stuck where it wouldn't close. And then occasionally it would get stuck where it would lock closed and I would be locked out of the house accidentally. Like it would just yeah. literally somebody would leave and something would not turn all the way and I would be locked out. And I, you know, and then I knock, knock, knock and somebody comes and gets me and I get out the WD-40 and I try to like r- r- grab both of the doorknobs and try to like move them to uh, until they like kind of loosen up and I couldn't figure out how to do it. And then and I, I finally decided, um, this happened to me in December and I, and I thought I got to take this thing off. I can take the doorknob off and maybe I can see what's wrong with it, and I could also flip it around so that I could lock it. So I start to take it off, and I didn't install this one. The contractor did, and, like, I can't find... It's not like any doorknob I've ever installed. I can't find where all the parts come off. I can find some of them, but others won't go, and I can't find, um, like, things that I can pop off or unscrew in order to, like, detach the whole thing. It's just not anything like I've seen before. And it's still jammed. Like it it still obviously doesn't work right. Um, so you know what I did? I did one of the most satisfying things I have ever done as a as somebody who works at home and as a homeowner,
1: which is, is, is did it involve a sledgehammer?
0: Uh, no, it was a regular hammer, David. Just a regular hammer. I took my I took a hammer and I smashed the crap out of that doorknob until it until it fell off, and I could pull the other side out, throw it away. Five minutes later, I was at my local hardware store buying a new doorknob, which I installed the other way so I could lock it. And literally like less than half an hour after this whole process started, I had a completely functional doorknob. That faces the opposite way And there's still a deadbolt So at night, before I go to bed I deadbolt it so that if somebody breaks into the garage They can't get into the rest of the house But yeah. when I'm podcasting, I pop a little button And people aren't going to accidentally turn a, uh, Open the door And and disturb me while I'm working So uh, problem solved And all it took was me getting angry enough To uh, smash that thing into bits And replace it with another you know, $25 doorknob Which was stupid, because it made me very frustrated and angry and stressed out for months. And all I really needed to do was take ownership of it and say, it's going to go. I think you should
1: have streamed that. I would have watched it. Oh, my God.
0: It It was... It was... I cannot tell you how satisfying it was to destroy that thing. Because it was just causing me nothing but trouble. And I couldn't and the frustration was I'd already tried it once where I'd started to take it apart and I couldn't figure it out. And so I just kinda put it back together and said, I guess I'm just gonna live with it. And this time I got to that point and I said to myself, you know what? I'm not gonna live with it. I would rather this door just not have a doorknob on it. Which I did and I actually was like, How am I gonna leave it this way? And I realized I don't need to leave it this way. They sell doorknobs at the hardware store and Therefore, um, I could just go buy one, which I did. So, anyway, what I'm saying is, I'm not telling everybody to smash everything that they don't like with a hammer. I am saying um, it's worth reminding yourself that if you have control over your workspace, if you have control over your home, if you have control over even if you're a renter, if you have control over the furniture in your space or anything like that, and it makes you unhappy, um, you don't you don't need to ask anybody else's permission unless you do but like give yourself permission to make yourself happy if you if there's something that's really driving you crazy um give yourself permission to make yourself happy solve it don't kick it down the road don't be like me with a stupid doorknob. Instead, be like me with a hammer and just take it out and make yourself a better workspace. That's what I'm saying.
1: I too have spent quality time with a sledgehammer, and will agree it is very satisfying.
0: The only time, and, and this is going to be legendary now in my in my family for all all eternity, is that we had a uh, we had a gingerbread house that we yeah. made for Christmas uh, and this like 5 years ago. So my kids were a lot younger than they are now. And we were talking about um breaking off pieces of the candy and pieces of the of the gingerbread and eating them. And the challenge is that it was really once you got past the low-hanging fruit of the gingerbread house, that it was it was constructed well enough that it was kind of hard to get to the rest of it. And I uh, went into the garage and brought back a hammer and I smashed the roof of the gingerbread house because then we had a whole <laughs> bunch of gingerbread to eat. And the kids are like, yeah, daddy, oh, you destroyed the gingerbread house, which I thought would be really funny. They will not let me forget that I smashed the gingerbread house with a hammer. <laughs> and in fact, every now and then I have the hammer and they're like, uh-oh, what are you going to smash this time? And I was like, look, I don't smash things all the time. It's very special circumstances where I smash things with a hammer. But this... This was a special circumstance. So I did it.
1: Uh, My dad was in construction and uh, he we did a lot of changes to my house growing up. And there are stories. I was there once when my dad went into the garage and took a sledgehammer and came in and started knocking a hole in the wall because he decided (laughs) he needed a door. Yep, (laughs) it's it's really fulfilling. That's what I'm saying. Um, Hey, let's take a break and talk about our other sponsor today, and that's our friends over at FreshBooks. To all the freelancers out there, you know how important it is to make smart decisions for your business. Our friends at FreshBooks can save you up to 192 hours with the cloud accounting software for freelancers that's ridiculously easy to use. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their Paperwork. I think that's one of the big blockages for people who want to go free agents. Is like, how do I manage billing? How do I get paid? It used to be a big pain in the neck years ago. You had to hire a team of people and uh, you had to send all these letters out once a month. It was just a a huge mess. Uh, But not with something like FreshBooks. Uh, You know, the new Notification Center in FreshBooks is like your personal assistant. You always know what's changing in your business since your last login and what needs to be dealt with pronto and the part I like is it allows you to send all your invoices out via email. Uh, The clients can open it right there. They can pay it. They don't have to lick a stamp. And that means that they pay faster. Uh, When you email a client an invoice with FreshBooks, it can show you whether they've seen it. And that puts an end to the guessing games. You know, Sometimes clients just don't get the email and you'll see that in FreshBooks. Other times they get it, they open it and they don't pay it. And that's a different kind of information you have uh, as you're dealing with your clients and and which ones you decide to keep. (laughs) But anyway, way, anyway, uh, if you're listening to this and not using FreshBooks yet, now is the time to try. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of the show. There's no credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash free agents and enter free agents in the how did you hear about us?" section. They love our show because you know, the people listening to the show need FreshBooks. And if you're out there and you're having any trouble getting paid, hey, you know what, this is the time to switch over to FreshBooks and just get that problem. Solved for you, so thank you again, FreshBooks, for all your support of the free agents and uh, helping us free agents out in getting paid.
0: All right, David. So uh, a month ago, we talked about your intriguing twelve-week year concept. How is that going? What do you What are you doing on
1: that front? Yeah, I'm such a nerd, and I realize there's two different books I've talked about on the show, so I'm starting to sound like the guys that I hate.
0: That's right. It's David's Book Club, Free Agents Book Club with David, because I'm (laughs) not reading those books, but you can. It's
1: fine. But those two were the two that I was told to read, so I, I have started to implement it, and I'm not doing a 12. I mean, my life is weird. I've got two careers, and you know, everything doesn't lend itself to 12 week years. But I did think, you know, why not have a dedicated plan uh, for some of the bigger projects that I want to get done? I, I've got this next Max Barkey field guide I've been working on off and on forever. I want to get the thing done. And that 12 week year idea really gave me, you know, kind of lit a fire for me, say, okay. And I decided to go ahead and use 12 weeks. I don't think there's anything magical about it. But uh, looking at the amount of work I have left to do, Uh, I could realistically get it done in 12 weeks while keeping everything else going. So I, uh, I have taken that on. I I didn't start until I got back from the trip and I I took a week to kind of get things sorted out. And, And once I get, you know, caught up, I'm going to to start this 12 week plan, I've, I've got a, a, an application called Omniplan, but there's a bunch of them out there where you can do Gantt charts, you know, where you can kind of set up contingencies and, and see graphically your, uh, your work over time and the major tasks you have. And because I'm a nerd, I went and set that up. And it kind of gives me something to look at. I've, I've got it stuck on the wall here. If I ever, you know, get my own office, I'll have it an a bigger version that I can draw on but it's just really nice having it there. And I'm really looking forward to kind of digging in on this idea of giving myself a deadline, which I've never really done with the stuff that I published through Max Barkey, but I'm, I'm treating myself as a client in essence. And, uh, I've got this 12 week, uh, plan to finish it and I'm, I'm getting ready to launch that. So, uh, that book did have some effect on me and I'm, I've now turned it into a plan. We'll see. I guess we'll in 3 months hopefully I'll be able to tell you that I that I finished it.
0: I think the a distinction that I I I need to make about long-term projects is being so deadline-oriented is to give myself deadlines and this is what you're doing is you've got a 12-week plan and, and you know when you need to execute on all of those milestones. And so much of what I do is recurring now that I don't do it. And when I do a project like the like the photos book update that I did, I'm working with other people and we set a goal and then I meet a deadline. And this is this is good to hear from you because that's the thing that I need to do if I have some longer-term projects is a sa- the same thing is I can't just say, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do a longer-term term project. Um, I need to say, here's what I'm going to do. Here's the scope. Here's when uh, you know, all these things need to be delivered. And here's the end of the process. And that's that's the only way it'll ever get done.
1: Yeah, but, And this wasn't something I read in the book, but something that kind of came out of reading the book to me, my takeaway was I'm not treating myself the same way I treat clients and other collaborators. Like, uh, if I do, if I do a podcast with Jason, I'm going to meet deadlines for that podcast. If I have a legal client that wants me to do something, I'm going to hit deadlines for that client. Uh, But for something that's important to me, I can't seem to get it done because I'm not putting myself under that same burden for something that is probably more important to me than the other stuff. It's one of the challenges of being your own
0: boss is is doing something like this and realizing you need to set those goals for yourself and internalize them and realize that, you know, you, you have to follow them. You can't just blow them off because nobody's going to call you on it. You have to have another part of your brain that calls you on it and says, I need yeah. to meet my deadlines and I need to have this structure and, and uh, have, you know, somebody's counting on me. It's me. <laughs> so I need to do yeah. this. It's yeah, a challenge. Exactly. Um, I wanted to talk about one more thing before we go to a, a few listener letters, which is uh, just an experience that I've had uh, this last month, which is about handing off work. I know we've talked about saying no and divesting yourself of, of stuff that you, you uh, don't want to do anymore in order to start doing new stuff that you do want to do. Um, I just, I've had this happen to me. And I wanted to report about it because basically that's what we do on this show, which is that I am finishing up my term on the nonprofit board that I sit on. I have been for the last uh, more, almost two years, year and a half plus, the chair of the National Novel Writing Month uh, board. And I've been on the board for six years, I want to say six, seven years. And I'm finishing that all up. I have handed over the responsibilities of board chair to someone else. And although I thought that I might stay on for a year, um, I'm thinking now I'm not. I'm thinking now I'll, I'll stay on for a few months and then I will exit. Um, and my reason for that is that not only did I feel late last year, like I, um, I was not I mean, not to, not to just be blunt about it, but I was kind of not feeling it anymore. Like I was not able to give it the attention it de- I felt it deserved and I was not able to bring my focus to it. Like I would always prioritize something else over it. It was just one of those things where it was very clear to me that I was kind of done doing this job. Yeah, And, um, so I, we found a replacement for me and I was already su- we already amended. We actually amended the terms of the organization to la- have me last as chair longer than a year, um, which I was fine with. And, and everybody on the board, there was a lot of turnover, so everybody on the board has only been there for a relatively short time for the most part. And they're all like, "No, no, no, stay longer." I'm like, "All right, I'll stay longer." And then at the end of year two, I'm like, "No, no, no, I can't." i I, i'm done i'm i'm that's maybe that's why they only have people be a chair for a year because it's a lot of work um and so uh what i'm saying is it is a huge relief to be uh to have that done and even though it didn't take a massive amount of of time and of my brain space um yet somehow the act of handing all that over like today i i sent my replacement all of the files that i got from the previous chair like all of the archival minutes and things like that i sent him a bunch of dropbox links to a bunch of zip files that came out of uh, my, uh, my google drive um that we had previously shared and now it's all exported and i just said here take it and it's it's amazing like I got like a I don't know what like a little bit of a a little bit of an endorphin hit from yeah. divesting myself of an existing commitment to the point where I think to myself, "Oh, I need to do that more." Now, you know, there are limits to it, but it does make me think This is one of those things I need to do in the new year. Since we're in January, we can phrase it that way. But regardless of what year, what time of year it was, I think I would have the same realization, which is it's time for me to do another one of those audits where I really look at everything I do or just week to week as I'm doing work, question every single bit of work I do and say, do I need to do this or could I get rid of this? Whether it is hand it off to somebody or just kick it to the curb and say, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm done with that. Um, Yeah. Even, even if there's somebody who um, is saying, oh, no, I want you to do this and I'm paying you. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. Like it is, um, I've talked about it before. It's an ongoing thing. But this moment gave me that, that realization that, that this is really good and, and I need to do this. It's also, I think, a sign that I feel like I have too much on my plate and that this is a, if this felt that good, I had too much on my plate and I need to clear, I need to clear more space
1: yeah I think it's something it's a lesson that we all constantly learn and um and I, I do think it's easy once you have got into something to not question it anymore and that's like the that whole thing with the running the timers or me with this hyper scheduling it it really puts at the front of my mind uh, that I'm choosing to do all these things that I write down. And that gives me uh, a vector to choose not to do them. And I, I'm working on the same thing. I, I think it's very hard, especially when they're things that uh, make you money. But the, um, but I do think that's, uh, both of us are kind of in that space now where we, we are, you know, relooking at things and certain, you know, in my case, I have a lot of clients. You don't have as many clients because the way your, your business is, it doesn't have so many people. But, you know, one of the things I'm thinking about is, uh, do I want all these people in my life still? Maybe some people haven't for one reason or another aren't, aren't the right fit for me anymore.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, for me it's and, uh, a lot of project-based things, which is do I want to yeah. do this aspect of this project? Do I want to, you know, say, I mean, I did this last year with some stuff and 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 that was good. Uh, and I got I got a little bit of the same hit of like, oh, it's so great that there that I don't have to do that anymore. So, do I do more of that? Do I push more of that out there? And I think the answer is yes, I do. I just need to figure out what it is.
1: Yeah, and the other thing to be aware of is uh, what makes sense for you to do today isn't necessarily make sense for you a year from now or five years from now or whatever, or a week, who yeah. knows, you know, but the, um, so it is a question yeah I think you have to constantly be asking yourself.
0: Yep. Anyway, it felt good. Um, we got yeah. a couple uh, listener letters that I, I would like to read. And if you've got comments about them, I would love to get them. Um, the first one comes from Dustin who wrote in to say, I was just listening to the latest episode with Tom Zoller and it made me think about another scenario. It would be interesting to find someone that struggled to make ends meet for a while and change their career route. Um, basically, I call it the Einstein method. Einstein took a job at the Swiss Patent Office to make ends meet. The job was much less cognitively demanding and he was able to spend his personal time working on physics. So, if there's someone that took a part-time job at Starbucks that provides some income and benefits or fills the gaps with doing things like Uber. I think this is i mean whether we can find somebody who does that or not and talk to them i don't know maybe but that is i thought i thought this was really interesting in the sense of it being another way you do this instead of sort of like you're doing it for your job and you build up your side business and then you quit it's like you can you do sort of some other work on the side to help make ends meet while you're launching your main thing. I mean, that, that seems like a, a, another way to do it.
1: Yeah. When I saw this email, it reminded me of a friend of mine that was getting her PhD and under a ton of money stress. And, And she was rushing to get the Ph.D. done because she wanted to be able to go out and get a job. But then she realized, you know, even once she gets the Ph.D., that doesn't necessarily mean she's going to get this big university job right away. And the thing she did was exactly what Dustin mentioned. She got a job at Starbucks and I don't know how many hours she was working. I didn't think it was full time, but this was like three or four years ago she did it. But it was enough hours that she got benefits and decent pay. And gave herself permission to take a little bit more time to get the PhD mm. stuff done. And, um, I remember talking to her about it and she said it changed her life. It made everything easier and she took some of the pressure off and she had a little bit of money and she had benefits and I, you know, it worked out for her great. Uh, so I guess you could switch that to the idea of, you know, I'm making, I'm writing my book or I'm starting my indie job that doesn't have a lot of money at the beginning. I think that makes a lot of sense
0: yeah and and we haven't really defined being a, an independent worker this way, but I think you could um, you could say that building your personal you know business by having this part that you're doing on your own and this slice that you're doing from a uh, from an employer of some sort is part of what this is, right? It's slices of different revenue from different sources. And it's a little bit different if it's working 20 hours at Starbucks. But in some ways, it's all still like I'm doing a little bit over here and a little bit over there and I'm putting it all together.
1: Yeah. And I do like the point Dustin makes that it's less cognitively demanding. I think that's important because If you are trying to build your own thing, if you've got a job where you're, you know, using your brain all day, it is really hard to get home and get energy to work on the next thing. But if you're, you know, if you're pouring coffee all day, you probably have a lot more uh, energy for that kind of stuff when you get home.
0: One more letter. This one is from Sean, who says, When I went out on my own, I rented space from an architect friend, but when he sold the place, I went home for the summer to help schlep the kids around. That was four years ago, and I've never looked back. A couple of years ago, I lost the business of two of my longtime clients, and something hit me then. I realized I was staring down a terrific opportunity. My wife has a good job with healthcare, and she enjoys going to work. We have two kids, now ages 14 and 9. If I was in a job, I don't know how they would get home. or how I would meet with teachers or whatever. Success to me was always about this dream that I had when I was 21 years old. It involved having this business, a cool office, employees, and money. I lived part of the dream and it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. I realized I needed to redefine what success means to me. I try to make the morning my billable hours, after, after lunches for billing, learning, and non-revenue generating activities. I pick up my kids and then either finish up some work or get some exercise or anything else. I realized I had the opportunity to be there for my kids and have the career that i always wanted which is to make things so um, that's from sean and i thought this was a fantastic letter with a lot of different stuff in it but at, at its core it's about redefining what success means to me don't just keep using the initial conception of what you think success would be because he realized he had a great opportunity to redefine it and uh, live and live the dream and have it be what it was cracked up to be instead of the initial dream, which turned out not to be all that.
1: Yeah, I that really resonated with me because, you know, as a lawyer, the way you make a big pile of money is you get in a law firm and then there's a bunch of smaller, you know, associate lawyers working for you. You make a cut off what they earn. And, you know, it's like a whole, it's almost like a pyramid. (laughs) You know, you make, when you're at the top, you make a ton of money. And all my friends that are chasing that, um, don't understand why I'm doing this because I've, I've put a cap. I only make as much money for the clients that I work for and there's nobody else. And I'm so comfortable with that. You know, it just doesn't bother me and, um, it bothers them for me, if that makes any sense. But, uh, but Sean's letter really did kind of resonate with me on that basis. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, do, do you feel that way as well? I mean, cause you worked for the big company and now you're on your own. I mean, do you, does that, does that something you think about?
0: Yeah. Yeah, of course. I think redefining what success meant to me, the way, the way that that happened for me is when I chose to leave. Right. Because I, that didn't happen to me out on my own. That happened to me when I was at the job. Like, that was that moment where I thought to myself, um, you know, I, I can keep keep taking these jobs that are uh, better paying and with more you know, power and authority. And all of a sudden they're not more fulfilling. They're less fulfilling and I hate them and I need to do something else. And that was a big step for me to say, I, this, this track that I was on being in, you know, management in the media is like, I don't want to do this. I need to change what I do. Um, But it also finds resonance for me in something like the conversation we had a month or two ago about that, that uh, company, that big company that came by sort of asking if, uh, they they could talk to me about a job opportunity they had where i had to take stock of what i was doing now and how my business was working and realize that it was unlikely that they were going to be able to uh, make any offer that i would find acceptable just because i had defined my success a different way and that i that i don't think there was any math that was going to have them be able to uh, to reach me at that point so a little bit of both but 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 so much of this for me was that at, the the act of leaving more than it was yeah. like within it's only been three plus years so who, who knows but right now i feel like the most resonance that i had was um was in uh, in in the moments of leaving my old job and not as a free agent but um but i can i can totally see it like as, as somebody who my wife just got full-time work after working part-time and and just got benefits and that changed the equation for us um Similarly, I haven't really changed a lot about my business, but it certainly feels different knowing that we're no longer spending that money on healthcare that we were spending before. It's a big deal, but it also means that I do have to pick up some of the slack because she's out of the house more now because she's working full-time instead of part-time. She was working close to full-time across a few different jobs, so the additional hours out of the house is not a lot for her. She was already out a lot, Um, but now it's all for one place, and that's great. Great, um, for a bunch of other reasons.
1: Yeah, that benefits is great.
0: Yeah. that's yeah, nice. It's a good thing. All right. Well, if you would like to send us a uh, a comment or a letter for the show, or just to reach us you can there are lots of ways to do it you can go to the facebook group and join it facebook.com slash groups slash free agents group you can tweet at us at free agents fm on twitter or you can send us an email by going to relay.fm slash free agents and clicking on the contact link on that page where you'll also find all of our episodes and our show notes but i think that's it for this fortnight david it's been a pleasure as always And we'll see you all in two weeks.